I have a youth basketball nonprofit, and then I have an urban programming nonprofit, and I need both of them to come together to write a grant that's a home run. Because one writing the grant is a single, it's a dribbler. <laughs> like you might get to first. The other yeah. one, like, but together, it's yeah. a home run, it's a no brainer. So this power of strategic partnerships, of collaborating, is something that we have to figure out as a community of nonprofits. And we have to come up with innovative solutions where foundations see the collaborative capacity and say, you know what, that's a no brainer. friends, welcome back to Grant Writing Simplified. I'm your host, Teresa Huff, and it's great to have you here. I expect you are probably pretty involved with nonprofit work, or it's something that you want to be if you're here listening. You're trying to figure out the ins and outs of grant writing and how to navigate the world of funding. Well, I'm here to help you. And before we get started with today's episode, first I want to share an amazing resource with you. So here's the deal. When you're a busy nonprofit leader, the pressure to get grants going when you've got all the other things going is pretty overwhelming. So that's where my friend Derek Timmerman comes in. Derek is the founder over at Nonprofit Sparrow Solutions, and he has created a cool system unlike anything I've ever seen. It's called Easy Grant. Every week, Easy Grant gives you exactly what to do next to find, to cultivate, and apply to foundations who are perfectly aligned with your mission. They even write the letter of inquiry for you. And it's crazy affordable. It's just a monthly subscription, no contract, and you can cancel anytime. Honestly, it's kind of like the Netflix of grant writing. So what have you got to lose? Go check it out today. Easy Grant by Sparrow Nonprofit Solutions over at myeasygrant.com. So today happens to be the 4th of July. So happy 4th to those of you in the U.S. or all over the world who celebrate the 4th with us. Happy Independence Day. It's one of my favorite holidays. And so I hope you are celebrating today and having a great week this week. And because it's the 4th of July when this episode is airing, I thought it would be fun to have a U.S. Army veteran as a guest today. We're talking with a good friend of mine, Dr. Vincent Lindenmeyer, and he's going to share some wisdom and leadership lessons. But before we get into the interview, I want to back up a minute because lately the last few solo episodes, I've been talking to you about building your ROI. Now, remember from my TEDx talk, that's your return on impact. You need to build your relevance, you need to optimize, and you need to be interacting. Go watch the talk on YouTube if you haven't yet, because that will give you a tool to share with your board, your team members, the people around you. It will also help you know what to work on next. But in building your ROI, We've talked quite a bit lately about your relevance and how you need to be relevant to grant makers and your work needs to be relevant in the community. And are you properly conveying that? So today, we're going to talk more on the optimization side of things. Vince has been <laughs> incredibly involved in some high-level optimization, figuring out systems and problem-solving. Some of the things he shared with me, I just can't even imagine trying to think through at such an intense high level of some of the work he has done. So uh, I thought he would be a great guest today to talk about optimization and how we can really streamline our processes. He has some amazing systems that he's built himself. And it's pretty cool because after retiring from the army, he got into nonprofit work and now helps nonprofits get started and really optimize their operations. He's got it down. His process is incredible. And so he's a wealth of wisdom today. So Dr. Vincent Lindenmeyer is a retired colonel from the U.S. Army. He's now principal of the Beacon Foresight Group that helps women, veterans, minorities, persons with disabilities, and formerly incarcerated start nonprofits and businesses to create economic growth for equality and justice. 
Colonel Lyndon Meyer served a 26-year career, and he had overseas tours to Korea, Egypt, Iraq, many other places, and he even earned the Bronze Star Medal. And as an educator with a doctorate degree, Dr. Lyndon Meyer has taught face-to-face and distant learning for over 20 years. He attended West Point, the U.S. Military Academy, and he's an expert in systems engineering and logistics management. So, like I said, he knows a thing or two about optimization. So, it's with much appreciation for our veterans and our active military people that I want to share this episode with you in appreciation of them and also in appreciation for the work that you are doing in nonprofits every single day. So thank you. Have a wonderful 4th of July and enjoy the interview. Teresa, it's it's a pleasure to have this conversation with you. Um, I have an exciting announcement. I realize filling out your questionnaire I've been a nonprofit advisor for five years, and I've been holding out to be a guest on any podcast. I wanted you to be the first show. And so we get to celebrate together um, five years of advising nonprofits. That's exciting. Yay. We need an applause background. <laughs> Cheering. <laughs> we'll have you edit that in. <laughs> we but, will. Uh, start, started Beacon Foresight Group really about three and a half years ago. But what happened the first uh, months was it was five years ago, February of 2018, my wife, Cynthia, the Reverend Dr. Cynthia Ramirez Lindenmeyer, that's a mouthful. She was a minister in Omaha, Nebraska, and working very closely with a lot of nonprofits and leaders in North Omaha, which is the African-American community. Omaha is one of the most segregated communities in the country. And there's just a lot of work to do there. It's about the size of a 400,000 in population. And um, so I, she said, Vincent. And I said, what? She's calling me Vincent. This must be serious. I need you to report to Preston Love's office of Black Votes Matter Institute of Community Engagement. We're doing the youth tour this summer. Our youth group's going on it. And he's had a stroke and he's now back at the office and we need to make sure everything's on track. Would you go help him? I said, yeah, and I was doing um, online learning. So I went over there, he was moving around a little bit with a cane. He had a whole, the whole stroke symptoms of a whole kind of side of his body kind of not functioning well. And I suddenly got sucked into, like, I didn't think I was doing this, um, helping people at the, like, right at the front line, right in, you know, African-American, North Omaha, um, people coming in uh, during, in the office. It's like, this is like, you're in the fight. Like, and it was just really, a great experience. I said, wow, I have a reason to get out of bed now because I had served a full career in the military, um, you know, and struggled a little bit trying to find my way. Like, you know, you can't play golf. You drive your spouse crazy if you think you're going to stay at home and play golf. Right. And, um, and I don't like golf that much anyway, but, um, now that I've moved to South Florida, I have been addicted to pickleball. And we can talk about that later if we want. So five years ago, really started nonprofit advising and realized that it, over the years, it's become a, a, a passion and a mission to help veterans, to help women, to help minorities, and to close the economic equality gap, whether through a small business or a nonprofit. And I'd say 80% of the work I do is nonprofit. But lately, I've seen a lot of collaborative ventures where businesses can benefit from partnering with a nonprofit that they believe in or having a nonprofit foundation that they can put some profits towards and truly direct some of their profits towards something they're passionate about. And that's something that I really will make emphasis this year for businesses to have a cause or start a nonprofit to affect change. And um, 
it's been a great journey and I don't see it ending. So it's great to um, be able to share some of these stories with you today, Teresa. So that's a little bit yeah. of the background of what Beacon Foresight Group is and how I got here. Well, I can't wait to dig in. And, you know, that just shows the power of one small decision. Like her just saying to you that day, Vincent, come help. And you saying yes. It was just a small thing on a random day of the week. But look at what a transformation that was. And to me, it's always incredible seeing how people's backgrounds and unique experiences are being funneled into nonprofit work to help nonprofits. And I know you have such a wealth of information and skills from your background in the military, your education, your training, all the pieces. So I think it's fantastic that you're able to use it to make a difference in that way. So with that, would you like to maybe dig into a little bit of how your military experience is applicable and how you're using some of those skills now? Sure. Uh, well, I was fortunate to retire as a colonel out of the U.S. Army, served 26 years. I finished as a strategist, which started my career infantrymen, you know, leading a platoon of infantrymen and um, transitioned that from infantry to logistics and then logistics to strategy. As I got more degrees in education and notoriety, I moved into strategy, which was um, to be an advisor to leaders, strategic plans and policies. So, for example, the recent Chinese balloon incident, um, that would have been me advising the general what to do. Mm, so okay. <laughs> I'm kind so of you were one of you know, the go to advisors, yeah. you know, and as an aside, people say, well, why, why don't they shoot it down? Well, they're collecting on it. And guess what? The Chinese aren't getting the information and we're we're learning more the longer it's in the air. So everything's mm -hmm. coming out now why we do those things. But um, my final job in um, the military was at US Strategic Command. I was a battle watch commander in charge of all space, cyber, and nuclear matters. Um, say for example, on night shift or even during the day and you're scanning the environment and you're looking for indicators that require a phone call to a four-star general that says, hey, hey boss, uh, you might want to look at this. And um, I worked with a lot of Air Force guys, so they gave me a call sign, Lindy, instead of, you know, they all have to have, the Air Force is all about that. So they'd be like, thanks, Lindy. And um, I've really taken that short little story there that just one little example to what I really advise nonprofits about. In some of your podcasts, you've really harped on this, but really uh, observation, scanning the environment, um, your competitors, your collaborators, and your benefactors, who are you empathizing with? You know, ultimately, who are you feeding? You know, the homeless, who are you giving to? And um, the environment is ever-changing. I, I keep scanning the environment from Battle Watch Commander to now a nonprofit advisor. Uh, we all, you and I as advisors, need to constantly keep scanning the environment paramount to kind of what we're helping them do because they get so focused on, you know, what the mission is and really tactically focused on uh, what they're doing. Um, and then, you know, obviously you've had some podcasts about mission, vision, values, and, oh, let's write those. And, we're big on mission, vision, values, obviously being from the military. That's a big thing. Like, But we also say you're not married to that mission. Put it on your website. You can always edit it when you submit your 1023EZ. Like, oh, yeah, the IRS, they just need to know kind of what you're doing. And if it's written well, you might get your letter quicker. <laughs> you might not get it kicked back or questions asked. So, you know, that mission, vision, values is very key. Um, but also what we've been talking about recently is category design, Teresa. And what is your unique category? 
So, you know, people talk on the business side, you know, blue ocean, red ocean, you know, are you going to be in a red ocean and are you fighting for those little scraps of funding dollars? And you may use that metaphor in one of your past podcasts as well. But then if you're a unique category in a unique category, you don't have to even um, play in a red ocean or a blue ocean. And they call it that you're a pirate because you're kind of floating around in a ship and you're your own category. And so in the small business entrepreneurship world, and this is the book is play bigger, how pirates, dreamers, and innovators create and dominate markets. And it was uh, the main author that is quoted is usually Christopher Lockhead, L-O-C-H-H-E-A-D, Lockhead. And um, this category design, I've, I've just found it coming up in a lot of conversations with my recurring clients and with those who are starting nonprofits, like, what's your category? What do you mean? You know, all okay, right, well, take a look at this book, Play Bigger. And I'm, uh, I got it at the public library free audio. So I didn't even buy it. I just went to the public library and now they have this new free kind of audible and I was listening to it for free. And there's a neat blog or sub stack that's free for Christopher Lockhead and Play Bigger and Category Design as well. And we can get that link for the, sh for the show notes. But, you know, this category design is you finding an innovative angle. For example, one of our clients, Mike Stedman, he's a really neat guy. He's called Iron Mike because he's a boxer, three-time collegiate national champion from the U.S. Naval Academy, class of 2010. African-American, he just wrote Black Veteran Entrepreneur, a book for Black veterans to know that they need to take leadership in building the economy of minorities and uh, in closing the economic equality gaps. And um, he has a boxing gym. Well, his unique category is blending boxing with entrepreneurship. So he's gonna teach kids how to box and fight in the ring. And then he's gonna teach kids how to box and fight in the world of entrepreneurship with an idea and an incubator and a pitch competition and a small $500 grant if you complete the course and a $2,000 grant if you win the pitch competition. So $5,000 total money given out. And so his unique category isn't just boxing, youth boxing, but it's youth boxing and the Thrive Entrepreneurship Program. And so that's a great example is like, what's your unique niche? Are you gonna set up a typical whatever in your community? And I think that's key too. And I think my military background kind of helps with um, seeing that, you know, you got competitors, you got enemy, you got, um, and we can talk about uh, the scarcity mindset versus the abundance mindset, you know, you have a lot of nonprofits that look at everything from a competition lens and they have a scarcity mindset. You know, why not tell other nonprofits about a grant and let everyone, you know, kind of compete and write for that money and then let the universe line up, you know, who should get that money and things always work out for the right reason. So, you know, the, the abundance mindset is always something that we have to tackle kind of early on. And then once you can get from scarcity mindset to abundance mindset, now we can be collaborative. And then that's where the home runs are, because now you, you just said, hey, I am put my name in the ring for that. Next thing you know, someone did a whole bunch of work and you got benefit from it and you really didn't do much. But you you went through this process where. Now you're thinking abundantly, you're sharing a lot, and all of a sudden you get some kind of 10X return you weren't even expecting. So um, I think that's a challenge too, as I've seen working with um, you know, different demographics that have had to fight for everything their whole life. And now they're in the nonprofit world and they're like, okay, this is a fight, right? No, it really isn't a fight. <laughs> but um, if we can move people forward through that to abundance mentality, it really benefits um, them in the long run. I know I've said a lot. 
Yeah, a lot of good stuff, though. Well, and just to back up, first of all, thank you for your service. I can't even imagine the weight of the responsibility (laughs) that you carried through those years. And that's just tremendous. And I think it's incredible to use that, like you said, to find a new purpose and to really give back. And I know your heart is to really, truly help nonprofits. And so I think it's amazing that you're doing that and inspiring others. And I think definitely as far as the abundance versus being competitive and scarce and, oh no, what if somebody does that? But what if you collaborate and you're better together and you apply for a grant together and you get it because it's so much stronger since you partnered or, you know, just like you and I sharing resources and we both work with nonprofits. So, hey, guess what? We both have a lot of complementary skills and background. So let's collaborate on the ideas yeah. and strategies. And it it just continues making the sector better. And what you said, it really comes back to that core vision of that. If we truly do want to make things better and improve our mission, we have to collaborate and we have to work together. It's not about us. It's not about the scarcity piece. It's so much more about how can we get back and improve whether or not it comes back directly to us, but does it improve each other's missions too and each other's work that we're doing in the community? Well, we, well, Beacon Foresight Group, we really focused in on starting nonprofits and then the compliance coaching to help people break a plateau and get to the next level of growth. Well, we used to do websites. And um, so if you look at beaconfortoday.com, it's a ready mag website with this full motion video that evokes emotion. Well, that's Solacina's uh, Mundo Designs out of Argentina. Argentina has the highest inflation rate. There's people just completely exodusing, you know, immigrating away from, uh, from Argentina. And so, uh, investment in a website in your own company, but built by someone in Argentina is putting food on lots of people's tables. And so mm-hmm. I spoke and with my colleague, Jeff, work. and I said, yeah. And I said, Hey, can we outsource websites? Cause you know, we have ideas, it takes a lot of time. It bogs us down. Let's just outsource that. Um, mm-hmm. The grant writing simplified the training, building the army of grant writers. It's like, Teresa, I need help. Can I put you on the website? And we have people that want to start their own grant writing in LLC. And it's like, you have all the support, the training, the masterclass. And it's like, you know what? We got to get her on our website. So we've been doing a lot of backlinking and building this collaborative community that says, you know what? You make our website, you're trusted, you know, mm-hmm. period. You know, you're, it's kind of like in the military when you get deployed and people show up and you're in a, you know, in a war zone. You quickly make a handshake, you trust each other with your lives, and you move out, right? So, mm-hmm. you know, you get on someone's website, that's a trusted collaborative partner. And that's how, to tie it back to collaboration on the nonprofit, that's how nonprofits should be. Um, you know, put all the nonprofit, can you put all the nonprofits you've worked with on a back page? Oh, I don't know, maybe someone will see, you know, it's like, oh my gosh, I've seen so many responses that are scarcity mindsetted. But um, it's just exciting to um, be good at something where when someone says, hey, I have an idea, I want to start a nonprofit, you're probably going to say, Vince Lindenmeyer, can you, you need to go see him to get it started. But when you're ready to do grants, it. come see me. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, we, had, uh, we have over 40 folks that we invite to our nonprofit circle and you 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 gave a great talk about you were just on fire that day just <laughs> giving people i mean the questions and it's like man we should have recorded that for our podcast i but, didn't uh, mean I to started, i just was no, popping in to listen to your group <laughs> i didn't mean to hijack <laughs> no, it was a lot of fun I, I meant i it was my hidden agenda um but you know um one thing back to Mike Stedman, he's a successful nonprofit. Where do we say, like, what are the phases of nonprofits? Like we do startups and I, I see, and I'd love to hear your idea. I see it takes about three years to get some kind of stability 
where I, I've heard you say, it's like, look, grassroots donation. Um, you say, I wouldn't even start your first grant um, search or grant attempt for after the first year when you've demonstrated grassroots support. And, um, you know, I made the mistake of recommending people rush to the grant world and it wasn't successful. But then after about three years, there's some stability there. There's a little bit of, okay, we know what we're doing. We have some funding, but we want to get to the next stage. And that's where this compliance coaching comes in because we're like 254 questions. Like, do you have your compliance handbook? Do you have all these required documents? Have you thought about board diversity now? Let's, let's expand your board. Man, the power of a board that's behind your mission that has a powerful network. We were talking with a youth basketball uh, client, uh, Project Assist out of Omaha. He has a pro basketball player playing in um, Belgium on his board. He has uh, a major corporation, white collar kind of corporate guy on his board. And he has a guy in Italy playing. Um, and he has his brother who happens to be an accountant. Yay, like get an accountant and lawyer on your board. So after this board meeting, you could feel the tempo pick up. Everyone was excited. Like, hey, do you want to do that golf scramble? I'm ready to plan it for you. Like you should have seen the executive director. He was about to cry, you know, and he's, we've been working with him since August. So that's pretty accelerated. It's like, hey, we need some diversity on your board and look what it could do. And he did it. Um, that's amazing. And a huge relief back, off his shoulders. Yeah. You know, back to um, another client I was speaking to today, uh, and it's based on what Mike Stedman says with Ironbound Boxing, but Dee Dee Gatson, she's got Queen's Butterfly House. It's going to be a halfway house in Omaha with eight beds for women coming formerly incarcerated. It's a powerful mission. She's like walking us around the house, which is empty. And she, and she says, I, I need furniture. I said, Dee Dee, your job is to shake hands, kiss babies and have a sense of urgency. And what you just told me, you need furniture in four weeks. You need to pick up the phone and talk to these ministers that have folks that really want to get behind something. And I recommended some specific churches in Omaha that would be happy to outfit a room and call it the umpty ump you know, church room, like that's our room. We decorate it. We did everything. Those are our twin beds. That's everything. And um, so she's behind it. I said, if you let up on sets of urgency, it's only your fault. That's your job. <laughs> and, you know, that's leadership. So, you know, part of nonprofit advising is a little bit of leadership coaching too. And obviously being in the military, it kind of comes along with the progress there. Um, Mike Stedman is very big about pilot programs, almost to the point that, and I, I'm open to your ideas about this, but he's like, well, just do a pilot program, you know, prove it works, document it, make a case study. And, you know, bringing that up to people, a lot of times people want to go headlong into things, maybe spend a little too much time or money on something thinking that a grant's going to come down the road and save it and get us out of the red. But these pilot program ideas are very good, especially for programming. It's like, well, let's do a pilot program. Let's demonstrate success. Let's document that. Then let's get that out to funders that, hey, this is going to work. Like your investment isn't a shot in the dark. We kind of know what we're doing. And um, from my analytical background, I have explored something that really it's called sense making story collection. And um, it came from a spring. It's called spring with a YIO database. And what it would do is you would collect hundreds of stories and then you would get these unique graphs of the storyteller giving the story of three to five sentences of how they feel, what emotions were evoked. And then they would take some dials and they would just pull a dot to a corner of a triangle. And you would get these deep terrain models in these mountains and valleys of what emotion was evoked. Say for instance, on a black history tour, a black college tour, 
are the two specific examples that we use this on. I've also used the technology for a DEI program in a Omaha University where you start to see things before they emerge because you get sentiment, you get positive, negative, you get key words that pop up that you're like, oh my gosh, this is an issue. Uh, say for example, the civil rights movement tour that Preston Love did that we saved because I had to report on February of 2018. The tour was in June and we implemented a sense-making story collection. Well, there was the, uh, the lunch counter uh, demonstration exhibit in Atlanta. So you go up to this lunch counter and you put headphones on and it's a, you close your eyes and it's virtual reality that you're doing a lunch counter sit in during the civil rights movement. And there's people whispering in your ear, telling you that you need to go and that you're threatening you're, you make me sick to my stomach, all these crazy things. And there's even a sign that says, if you're not 13 years old, don't, do this exhibit because it brings you to tears. Well, it's so moving. And then these kids are telling stories with their thumbs because that's what the sense making story collection did. And it created this assessment where when we did the final report and I'd be happy to share what the final report looks like. It was a rainmaker for funding because it said, this is no brainer works. These 40 youth did the civil rights trail from Memphis, Jackson, Selma, Birmingham, Montgomery, Tuskegee, Atlanta, and back to Omaha. And they came back changed youth. They wanted to make history. They wanted to vote. They wanted to help people get the vote out. They said, look, I've walked the Selma Bridge where people bled for to vote, you know, the John Lewis. And that and and we could rack and stack the the specific events that said, Preston, don't ever take this out of the tour. Like, <laughs> these are the things you must do. And it was great. I mean, you know, when foundations want to ask, well, uh, how are you going to measure success? Collect stories and use the technology that's out there and get the emotion evoke the emotion and I'm talking to a grant writer so I'm preaching to the choir here uh, but you know assessments are key and they can be really wired in at the beginning of a startup well how are you going to assess how are you going to measure success for example how are you going to assess this programming because it's going to pour right into your annual report it's going to pour right into your next fundraising cycle and so we have to think about that now and um I think the military was always about assessments and are, how are we doing? It's like, um, you know, the General Petraeus and a lot of general officers that I work for, you know, General Austin, who's now Secretary Austin Sekdef, he was a boss I directly worked for. And it was so scary going to his office. It felt like you were going to, you were the scarecrow and you're reporting to the Wizard of Oz, you're like shaking. He's like, what do you want? And now you see General Austin, he's Secretary of Defense Austin. He's kind of like, kind of kind and grandfatherly, but not as a two-star general. You're like, ah. So, uh, you know, but you learn about assessments and measuring. It's like, how does this end? Like, how does the war end? How do we get out of Iraq? How do we get out of Afghanistan? And those type of questions can also be applied to nonprofits. How, how do we know we fed the poor? How do we know we clothed the homeless? When does this end? How do we know we're successful? Um, when do we relax? When do we know that we um, can celebrate? And to, you know, all this hard work, um, a lot of the network circles that I've been in, there's been a big movement lately. It's like celebrate your wins, you know, take a second to like in this call, it's like, Hey, I've been doing this for five years. Yay. It's like, Oh my gosh, five years. Yeah. It makes you feel (laughs) old, but it's like, no, this is a second career. And I've, I've been making a difference and you have recurring clients and we have relationships out there, our phone, people know they can call us and it's like, hey, you need to, like a gal 
called today. She's like, hey, um, I need Quicken for my nonprofit and my LLC. Because um, oftentimes we recommend that folks have an LLC um, for other things. And then, hey, this nonprofit, you really don't own it or the IP. So you want this kind of standalone. And she, I said, well, call, call Quicken Sales and tell them you're uh, a woman and a minority and you want a discount and you'll, so they have a coupon code that's 50% off and they'll give you 50% off for three months or they'll give you 50% off if you pay the whole year. And so she wrote back, she's like, oh my gosh, I got it for 50% off. It's like, good, you call. It's those little tips and trades that kind of come along. Everybody needs Quicken. And then it's like, well, then Lisa, of course, she'll do your books for the cheapest of anyone I know. And it's someone's going to keep your QuickBooks. Because that's the one thing I don't like doing. I don't do anything accounting. I let other people do that because I don't <laughs> yeah, know. Chart of accounts. Yeah, yeah, they don't. They don't uh, no. Well, and I find it really interesting, the contrast that you help so much with compliance, which can be difficult to navigate, especially when a nonprofit is new, doesn't understand it doesn't has no clue of all the steps involved and you have such a structured way to walk them through it but at the same time you're emphasizing the importance of storytelling and emotion and really pulling out the meaningful aspect of the work you're doing and it really takes both in with grant writing or in just telling your nonprofit story in making your case for donors and helping convey the impact of the work you're doing it really has to have both sides of that equation so I think that's really good to highlight both sides of that. Yeah, there's so much that I've learned through the past five years. Like I have a nonprofit who Dodge is doing the long form, the 990. And it's like, there's lots of grants out there that want two years of the 990, not the postcard. It's like, right. well, they say, well, I only raised $15,000 this year. It's like, well, if you do the long form, you get put on the record you can get into the donor search databases and people say, okay, they're legit. And we can see that they actually had raised money and they're being transparent. So that kind of transparency up front, it's a, it is a tug of war between the creative, the programming that, Hey, I don't have time for compliance. And the fact that, well, you're trying to write a grant and they want to make sure you're minimally compliant if they're going to send, write you a check. So I think they're both yin and yang, mutually supportive of that. And um, the other thing I learned with kind of old school Preston with Black Folks Matter Institute is the press releases, the old school, like, yeah, we can do social media, we can do Facebook, Instagram, we can have all these great imagery. And that's all important. But then really getting back to the basics of a solid press release where you send it to the newspaper and they pick up the story and they like for Dee Dee Gatson with her empty house, it's like, we're doing a press release today. We're going to get the Omaha world Herald. You're going to tell them, come out to my empty house, take pictures. You're going to say, put out a sense of urgency mandate says I'm calling all churches and all people with an extra couch to contact me. And we're going to fill this house out. We're going to put three formerly or eight formerly incarcerated in this home by this date. That's all you have to do. That's your leadership mandate. Casting that vision. And you're urge, you have a sense of urgency. There is a fire burning or the ship is sinking unless you come here to plug that hole for me. So, you know, um, press releases and about are old school. Yeah. Yeah, there's something to it. And the thing about that example specifically in a case like that is staying in your lane and reaching out for help and not feeling like you have to do it all yourself or how am I going to find the money to go buy the couches and deliver them myself and find all this furniture and decorate. People love helping with that kind of thing. They just need that opportunity. So you're giving them I the I said, you're the Pied Piper. I said, play the flute. <laughs> And let's get people behind you marching to your Pied Piper yeah. song. <laughs> so yeah. she she gets it. And it was an encouraging phone call today. So I, I normally do client calls on Tuesdays and Thursdays. I have some other initiatives I'm working 
Monday, Wednesday, Friday. But again, I'm usually always a phone call away for clients. And, um, you know, I guess we, we started on this. I'd like to kind of finish on this is strategic partnerships. You know, the power in that is I still don't can't comprehend how powerful really good strategic partnerships are and how much you do need to let go of fear and embrace love. And um, I'm going through Course of Miracles with Marianne Williamson and the entire year Course of Miracles, she says, the first half of the year, we're going to program you to let go of your fear mentality that the world has kind of programmed you to. The second half of the year, we're going to write a new program in your mind about love and embracing the full concept of love and how love just really resides within you. And that's the thing with strategic partnerships. Say, for example, the NBA, the National Basketball Association, has a grant. It says, um, we want you to affect the lives of 25 Black youth. It says Black youth. And I have a youth basketball nonprofit, and then I have an urban programming nonprofit, and I need both of them to come together to write a grant that's a home run because one writing the grant is a single, it's a dribbler. <laughs> like you might get to first. The yeah. other one, like, but together it's yeah. a home run. It's a no brainer. So this power of strategic partnerships of collaborating is something that we have to figure out as a community of nonprofits. And we have to come up with innovative solutions where foundations see the collaborative capacity and say, you know what, that's a no brainer. Um, it's bringing the old together to make new. It's innovating as the environment changes to, to, to wrap something from the beginning. It's like, as you're scanning the environment, what I said was the most important thing to do. You see the environment changing. Are you adapting? Are you building strategic partnerships? Hey, hey, I'm not that good. I see the environment changing. I'm not really good at this one component, but I'm really good at what I do. If I put us together, we can meet that need. And are you doing that? Are you moving to the sound of the guns? Are you frozen and in action because you aren't sure? So, you know, shake hands, kiss babies, and have a sense of urgency. But let's say, you know, before that sense of urgency, you're always scanning the environment and you're seeing things change and you want to adapt to them. And that's what makes this work so exciting. And also working with folks like you, Teresa. So I'm so thankful I could spend some time just chatting with you about what it is we do. And you're such a great host to do this with. Oh, thank you. Well, it's an honor to have you on your first podcast interview. So I'm excited. And I, it's always a great conversation when we chat and good to compare notes on the work we're doing because we're both so just on fire to help nonprofits. And it's a lot of fun talking to others in the space too, and collaborate, like you're saying, better together. So let's pool our resources and do a lot more good together. So what, could you, of, while we're still, okay. while we're, you did that workshop, could you give a quick 30 seconds on what that workshop was about in case I can try to get you down here to South Florida? Oh, sure. <laughs> yeah, Florida would be great. <laughs> Sign me up. Yeah. So last week I went to Louisiana because the Northeast Louisiana Arts Council had contacted me. They run a grant opportunity each year for the local arts organizations. And it's open to quite a few nonprofits and not just that, but schools, public libraries, all kinds of people involved with the arts and individuals. And so he had said, you know, we have this money available. It's just people don't understand the process and how to put together a good grant. We'd really like to help them do some practical training. And so it was really fun because they called it Get the Grant, grant writing for regular people. <laughs> and they uh. said, you know, we're not trying to make a professional grant writer out of you unless you want to be. But they understood that these are people in the trenches of small nonprofits. They're wearing a lot of hats, but they also have grants put on their plate saying, hey, you should apply for these too. And so they needed to understand some context, some basic practical tools. So we just spent two days digging into that. And I referenced my TEDx talk of how to go about building 
a solid foundation and then going through some useful action steps and takeaways that they can implement right away in their organization. So it was a lot of fun. And hey, if you set one up, tell me when it is, I'll come to South Florida. So that'd be a lot of fun. Shoot. Yeah, we're going to talk about the specifics of that for sure. I know in Omaha, uh, NAM, the, the Nonprofit Association of the Midlands did a grant La Palooza. They called it mm. La Palooza. But I like get the grants, grant writing for regular people. That sounds really cool. I think that's yeah, trademarkable. It was that's fun. pretty cool. Yeah, we so. kept it very practical, very like examples. And then let's dig in and try this yourself. And, you know, just a lot of practical. And we also talked about some of the adjacent elements that are often overlooked, like getting your board members involved or understanding how to also reach out to other possible collaborators and fundraisers. And a lot of them in the room ended up making connections of like, oh, hey, you have a library space. I need to have an event. Let's connect later. And so it was really fun seeing some of the things that crystallized because of it and came out of it too that we didn't expect. Yeah. And um, yeah, the, the possibilities are endless. And even uh, I just wrote a Medium article on our, not, our, our Beacon uh, channel, which was talking about how nonprofits could partner with small businesses to compete for grants, where the small business takes the lead and you're the programming or the, the benefactor of that because you are serving part of the grant. And there are a lot of funds available for small businesses, and sometimes they need the creative aspect of the nonprofit to see the possibility there. So the, the possibilities are endless, and it is very collaborative, but we're going to have to figure out a way to get you down here for sure. Yeah. Hey, you say Florida. Sign me up. <laughs> That's one of my favorite places. Actually, the picture behind me is from Florida. There Captiva you go. Island. And yep. one one unique thing about me that no one knows, I'm addicted to pickleball. So like, now everybody knows, but man, pickleball is so yeah. much fun down here. I'm hearing more and more about pickleball. I didn't realize it was such a thing, but I guess it is. Yeah, we have a really competitive enclave that we're here. And um, apparently when folks travel from here to go somewhere else, they come back saying they weren't that good. So it's like we're in the <laughs> furnace right now of pickleball. So. Mm -hmm. But it's okay. a lot of fun and it gets me, it's that competition and breaking a sweat that gets me back into working out again. So I've yeah. lost 15 Good pounds in six weeks playing pickleball. Whoa. Wow. Yeah, it's, it's competition. So it's, that's a it's lot more fun than going to the rock. gym. Yeah, a little bit of weightlifting, but man, pickleball, your heart is racing and they're about to serve you like, wait, I can't call time out. I'm with dying here. <laughs> But you're not but about no, to really stop either. It. Yeah. So yeah, well, get you, fun. we'll get you down here and uh, looking forward to it. Thank you yeah, so much for having good. me. Well, as we wrap up, tell us a resource that has been helpful to you in your nonprofit journey. Uh, well, I love the book Profit First because it really lets you hammer down on what your burn rate is, both for small businesses and nonprofits. And that's a book. And the technology that's coming out, we mentioned ChatGPT recently. There's a ton of YouTube videos about ChatGPT. ChatGPT for sales, ChatGPT for writing a business plan. Well, um, I was with a client today and we said, um, in ChatGPT, uh, provide me uh, fundraising methods to get the word out about mental health awareness, and suicide prevention, and you put it in ChatGPT. This is an artificial intelligence tool. You go to chatai.com, and then you click up top. It's a beta version, and when you click through the beta version, there's a banner that says, we're extremely overwhelmed by everybody using this. Please be patient. Ignore it. Still put in your question, because they're just like trying to do expectation <laughs> management. And then we put in this question and all of a sudden 10 really good ideas got listed out of a gala, you know, a comedy night. <laughs> I mean, it was like crazy stuff coming out and you're like, oh my God, 
gosh. And then it said, oh, by the way, May is Mental Health Awareness Month. And I looked at my client and said, hey, we should, we're in the planning window for this. What are you doing in May? And it got us going to thinking about things. And this is an artificial intelligence tool that is not going to help you get dressed in the morning or make your breakfast, but it gets you thinking about things so that you as a human can put the finishing creative touches on things. So we all are creative individuals. We all have a creative mind. We have a spirit that wants to thrive, but hey, it's great for someone to get the cape going and you get to decorate it with the finishing thoughts. So I really am excited about chat, chat GPT and um, hope folks will try to incorporate that. And we even talked about writer's block for grant writers. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's an interesting trend to watch. It's very up and coming and I, it's not going to go away. So I think the question will be, how do we use it wisely and ethically, but also to our advantage and using it as a tool that and a resource that can help us in our work to make it more effective and use our time better. But then also, like you said, nothing can replace that human touch either. It's the decorating that we have to come in and put that personal polish onto that. And so, no yeah, that's a very, I think that's one that I feel like I'm going to have to do an episode. You're going to have to do a to whole tackle. episode. There's going to be yeah. a whole episode you have to do on that once you do your deep dive. Yeah, definitely. Or maybe a whole series. <laughs> Who knows? I got to test it out more myself first, but I'll probably be busy down a rabbit trail. You can find me somewhere <laughs> yeah. in the mix. No doubt. So, well, my friend, thank you so much for sharing all your wisdom. And tell us where can people connect to learn more about you and Beacon Foresight and all the work you're doing? Yeah, sure. Our website again is beacon the number four today.com. And my email is Vince V I N C E at beacon the number four today.com. And we like to say we're your beacon for today with foresight for tomorrow. And that's why we're the beacon foresight group. And we just love working with folks, um, phone call away and um, look forward to is supporting what people's dreams and aspirations are. On our website, it's like pull your heartstring today, start your nonprofit. Mm, very good. Well, thank you for the work you're doing and great to have you. Thanks for being a guest. Thank you very much. You take care. All right, friends, what'd you think? What did you learn today about systems and optimizing and getting your nonprofit off the ground successfully? It is so critical to start off on the right foot. And the sooner you can do that, the sooner you will be more successful. You will seem like a better investment to grant makers and donors. And ultimately, you'll better serve in your missions. And that's what this is all about, right? So I would love to hear from you. What are you going to do differently today as a result of this episode? How are you going to optimize your operations? Shoot me a message on my website or LinkedIn. And if you're not sure, if you're feeling kind of stuck, let's talk through it. Let's keep the conversation going. I don't want you staying stuck because you can't do the good in the world that you need to if you're just stuck and standing still. So sometimes you just need that little push to build some momentum again. Go watch my TEDx talk over on YouTube. It's called The Real ROI of Grant Writing. Let's get your ROI in order, your relevance, optimization, and interaction so you can truly make a return on impact. All right, friends, happy 4th of July. Have a great week and go change your world. <laughs>